Welcome to The Edges of Lean. I'm Bella Engelbach, and in this podcast, we explore the human and creative side of lean thinking, unusual places where lean thinking is practiced. We meet people who are practicing continuous improvement in many different flavors and styles. So come along with me on a journey to the edges of lean. Episode 49, Continuous Improvement and Knowledge Management with Clark Shaw Nelson. In Continuous Improvement, we focus on learning through experimentation. Once we learn something, how can others benefit from what we learned, especially in today's complex, remote work environment? Management of that knowledge is so important, but what does that mean? Dr. Clark Shaw Nelson is Assistant Dean, Instructional Design and Technology at the University of Maryland School of Social Work, and he joins me to share insights on new technology and knowledge management. Clark Shaw Nelson, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It really is nice to have you here, and I am looking forward to getting to know you better. So tell us about Clark. Yeah, well, I have been working in education uh, for over 25 years, uh, since like 1994, early 1990s, uh, and I got into distance education pretty quickly, uh, going from the classroom to teaching over the TV for the Denver Public Schools uh, with interactive uh, distance learning, and then moved into online teaching around 1999, and uh And then I got into administration of online programs and instructional design in higher education uh, around 2006, so about 15 years ago. Um, And then uh, just a few years back, I decided to take the plunge and work on a doctorate, uh, a doctor of business administration. And while working on that, I started into the realm of knowledge management, knowledge sharing, and got really interested in collaboration technologies and uh, the way that organizations manage their knowledge. So you've been working in the space of people not being in the same physical space, I think, for longer than many of us have. I mean, a lot of people, I think, that, you know, their first experience was actually at the beginning of the pandemic, um, when, when people moved out of their offices into their homes and had to collaborate extensively through um, things like Zoom and, and using cloud and, and, and sharing information that way. I think this is a really important topic for the lean community. Um, The reason I'm that passionate about it is with my background in lean product development, one of the key things in lean product development is that the way to be first and innovative is to build on knowledge that you already have. Uh, And not to, when you're doing an experiment, to do an experiment that is to learn something new, not to repeat an experiment that somebody else has already done. Um, So that you're always building on, you know, a bigger and bigger knowledge base. And that's one of the keys to really being first with lean product development. I think the challenge that, um, that all organizations face, though, with that is the administration of the knowledge right so first of all even understanding you know what is knowledge as opposed to data we talk a lot about data management and secondly where do you keep this stuff right and 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 then how how do people still play in it so clark tell us um no tell us where 
what your definition of knowledge management and how um, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, well, um, I like the definition that Davenport came up with back in 1994, which is basically that 19, knowledge management is the process of capturing, distributing, and effectively using knowledge. Um, and as you say, there is a big differentiation between data and knowledge. Uh, you know, knowledge is a lot more structured than raw data necessarily. Um, but I think what we find is that in many organizations or many industries, sometimes even the knowledge capture and the knowledge sharing uh, needs a lot of work uh, in order for it to be sort of maximized. And, um, and that's kind of what I did my dissertation on was how knowledge leaves organizations when you have knowledge loss. Uh, right now we're having the great resignation uh, as well. And if the organizations aren't capturing that knowledge and distributing that knowledge and sharing that knowledge and making it easily available to other people, then that's where you can end up with knowledge loss. And uh, that can be at a great cost to the organization when people leave with their knowledge and it's not captured and distributed and shared. And then you have to hire new people who have to learn everything all over again. And I, I think that this, I think it starts with the capture, right? So if you're if you are in a in an organization where there are people who know how to do things, who, who you know have base knowledge or advanced knowledge, um, the assumption is that I, I feel that sometimes you walk in and the idea is, well, all this knowledge is in the air somewhere, but it's actually, unless it's been recorded in some way, it's actually in the people, right? So, um, and the, it may or may not be fully accurate. It may or may not be um, the best knowledge, um, the most advanced knowledge of 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 something that you're working on, but it is in the people. And so the the capture is really hard, isn't it? Because you've got to move past this idea that um, I don't have to, you know, maybe I don't have time to capture knowledge or it's onerous to capture knowledge. So how do we start with that? That's an excellent question because, you know, it's so true. And a lot of people see you know, documentation and knowledge capture as an extra thing that's on the side of what they were trained to do, what they learned to do, what their skill set is, what their um, craft is, right? Um, and so, but I, I made the same point um, to my team, you know, uh, there are folks who are great coders and developers and programmers who that's what they learn, that's what they know. Uh, they weren't necessarily getting into that to do uh, documentation and, and project management and using, you know, systems like JIRA and so on to collaborate and so on, but it's part of their job too. And it, and it, it you know, they have to, they have to kind of come along with that and learn to do that because, you know, a lot of times what can happen in organizations is if people, if there isn't a culture of, of capturing knowledge and, and taking the time to document things, uh, you do experience a lot of loss and a lot of frustration I've found when, you know, you don't know where to go, where whom to go to, to find information, find the right information. Um, and I think what you, you really hit on there is this idea that you really kind of need to capture it as it's happening to a certain degree too. And I think that's what we're starting to see more and more of because, 
you know, we've been seeing a move from email as the predominant medium right before it was typewriters and telephones and so on and then we got into the 90s and we got email right and everybody started using email as the primary communication form and attachments and so on right and and there are a lot of organizations that are still stuck there that really haven't they're using you know file share or you know like shared drives that work on the internal network but not from home or they're um, using email and attachments as a as opposed to collaborative technologies like shared drives google drive onedrive and so on where you're actually collaborating on the same document at once um, but also there's a movement toward more openness and more transparency and that's part of the lean and part of the knowledge capture that happens too is the idea that you're using the tools like Microsoft Teams and Slack, for example, where you're communicating, unlike email, which is very private and very closed and not open at all, um, Slack and Teams, if you're using them the right way and you're not just doing private messages, but you're using um, actual team channels and so on, then you can add team members who still have access to search and have access to the knowledge and the exchanges that have happened before. Um, and so that to me, and that's kind of what I, a lot of my dissertation is about, is that idea of making sure that your practices and your tools are conducive to capturing knowledge partially like as it's happening, right? So if you're using the sort of right tools in the right ways, you can capture a lot of knowledge just in your day-to-day -day communications. But a lot of that is starting to move the culture away from sort of uh, older things like email and attachments and into using collaborative technologies, instant messaging uh, and groups and so on where you can uh, join and leave the group. And then another layer on top of that are some of the new technologies that are out there that will actually sit on top of things like Microsoft Teams and Slack and SharePoint and so on, and will actually help uh, through AI and machine learning actually help um, uh, sift through and sort that knowledge and tag it and, and structure it so that it's actually more searchable and more accessible to other people. So that idea that we may have an exchange on Microsoft Teams that, you know, we go back and forth a bunch of times and in the end, maybe we come to a decision and we have something in there that's a real chunk of something real, some real knowledge that um, you know, through training uh, AI and through creating taxonomies and um, tagging systems that you can actually get that knowledge um, more accessible to others and have it more like archived as you do it. Well, yeah, so that was my first question. When you, when you were talking, I was thinking about, about the Slack channels that I'm involved in. And I was thinking, I don't know that there's any structured knowledge in any of those conversations. So you've added the extra piece, which is you need to have something on top that would apply that structure. Because as we're having a natural conversation, we are not probably going to put that information in, in a way that is structured um you know to say all right you know particularly if we're thinking about um you know a learning from an experience we've had an experiment that we've done um we might you know we might just put in there well you know the number was 17. well you know what is 
The number was 17 in and of itself as a statement is completely irrelevant to everybody, right? So you'd have to figure out what was the experiment that was related to or the experience it was related to. And, and is it important? Is that an important piece of information that we would might we would want to use in a in a structured knowledge way later on? Yeah. So talk to me a little bit more about taxonomy. First of all, can you explain what taxonomy is for people who are not familiar with it? Yeah, so um, basically it's organizing uh, organizing the knowledge into groups and like keywords and associated items and so on so that, you know, um, like AI can pick up on, oh, they're talking about, you know, instructional design or this aspect of instructional design right now. Um, and so I'm going to file that away over here. And so by creating taxonomies, organizations can, they can uh, create high level and on down um, to low level uh, sort of knowledge organization that has these sort of keywords, these sort of key ideas that help sort uh, the knowledge so that it it um, it makes it more usable. Um, and then, you know, with AI, so I guess if you think about like shopping online and so on, right, and, and, and it's giving you uh, suggestions for other people who are looking for this, we're also looking for that. And so, uh, when this gets organized, and I, I still think it's fairly early, this is still somewhat new technology, and I, I, I think that it probably has a long ways to go, but what it can do is that similar thing for people who are working, like you're, I see you're searching for you know, X, Y, or Z, here's an area in our knowledge base that covers that type of thing and start sort of helping uh, lead you along the way to there. But basically, the idea of taxonomies and 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 tagging and semantics are that it it's a it's a structuring of the knowledge by calling out some of the key ideas and key areas and sub areas uh, of the knowledge in your organization so that it gives your you know the AI and the different technologies um, ways to know what to do with that. It's iterative, right? Because I mean, my experience with taxonomy, which is not an AI experience at all, um, is, you know, the people sit and think, well, if we're thinking about this set of information, then the, I, the keywords would probably be this, that, or the next thing. Um, and I would say more than half the time, those are not the best keywords. Or if you try to over structure using those keywords that you just came up with, you end up with something that's actually hard to navigate. So if you have the opportunity to make it iterative, so I could see if if the AI says, hey, look over here, and you are somehow able to provide the, the feedback to say, ah, that wasn't it, that really wasn't it, then that would, um, you know, help, as we like to say, continually improve. Um, but you've got to be open to that that iteration. So how would humans be involved in this and in, in, uh, helping it work right? Yeah, well, another great question, because, you know, along with, I don't think AI can do everything, right? Like, uh, you know, like you pointed out, there's a lot it can do, but there, it takes a lot of human uh, interaction with it to actually help it, help make it better and help it iterate over time. Um, but certainly, I think what we're seeing is that 
uh, first of all, a lot of organizations aren't doing much with knowledge management at all, right? Um, a lot of it's not, it's still not in many organizations and companies viewed as a, a critical thing like marketing and HR and some of the other key areas, uh, research, research and development, learning and development. But I think what we're seeing is that, uh, you know, as we have things like a lot of uh, baby boomers retiring, great resignation, um, a lot of, you know, churn and so on. We are, we are seeing uh, more and more organizations realizing like, oh, we are, you know, we're having to retrain people a lot. We're losing a lot of knowledge. We're losing money. And um, I think we're seeing a lot more in a growing industry in knowledge management where, as these companies realize that um, they can actually grow that. And then there are sort of levels to that, right? Because, First of all, there has to be a sort of uh, mission-based, you know, need that says, "Oh, we're going to prioritize knowledge management in organ our organization." And, and usually, that might include something like bringing in uh, a leader, like a chief knowledge officer, or chief learning officer, who kind of works with that. And then also, that will usually entail a, a you know team, a team below that person, which might include roles such as folks who actually just work with the knowledge management systems and the semantics and the AI and the uh, taxonomies and improving those, uh, like you say, a level of continuous improvement with that knowledge. And so you have a lot of organizations and companies that have fairly new titles like knowledge managers and different levels of knowledge manager and, and taxonomists and so on. Uh, and, um, and so, uh, so these are ways that organizations are, as they mature with um, knowledge management, that's how they kind of grow into building more of a team and having a lot of different levels of both technology and people that help um, make that knowledge managed better. So we, we talked a little bit about how we capture the knowledge and, and um, your vision is that the, for the most part, knowledge capture should not be overly onerous. It, you know, it's not requiring people to do a massive amount of documentation and that there's a system in place that is evolving how that knowledge is structured and used. So let's go back and talk about culture a little bit more, because I think the cultural component is of this is really, really important. Uh, and that goes back then to the uh, consumption piece of it so the, the consumption of the knowledge so one of the things that i've observed in in you know in my life is that is that it's very hard to get people to stop at the beginning or during their work to actually look for knowledge or information um, that because there's always this pull, especially in business, to do things first and to not to not learn before you start. Just go ahead and start and, you know, sometimes we say learn the hard way. What might be the, some of the cultural components that you would need um, or perhaps some of the technology components that would help make consumption of knowledge and, and you know, looking for knowledge uh, more a part of how people work? Yeah. Um, well, and this kind of goes back to what I was just talking about as well, which is the idea that in in a company, you know, the culture of the company, and if you're if the mission and the vision isn't prioritizing knowledge management, 
um, then that that is a real starting place for the culture to make sure that there's some leadership there. There is uh, there are resources being um, obviously used in that area that leaders are embracing this and doing it as well and not, you know, um, just kind of like uh, ignoring it. Um, right. I mean, uh, I think. Um, uh, you know, people just starting out often look at how their managers and leaders are operating. And if managers and leaders aren't using the, the systems and practices that um, lend themselves toward knowledge sharing and retention, then uh, it'll be harder to have that culture that will prioritize that and, um, and, and, and make sure that people are doing it. But there's also, you know, a lot of this is uh, related to HR too, um, um, ah. in terms of, and, and this is, uh, I've done some studies on virtual teams as well. And some of the uh, literature has really gone into how, how important HR is in, in that realm. And, and for example, even when you're listing a position, an open position in the job description, um, a lot of times you can look through 10 job descriptions and maybe one or none of them say anything about knowledge management or documentation or, you know, this type of thing. So it's, that's part of the culture too, in terms of, you know, from top to bottom, start to finish, you know, you're looking at job description, it's baked in there, right? And you, when you're doing, uh, you're interviewing. Well, tell tell us about your experience with documentation and with uh, you know uh, making sure your knowledge is shared and that type of thing uh, in the interview process and in the onboarding process, making sure that it is uh, very well obvious that it's priority. It's a priority um, to maintain and share knowledge. And then in the um, in the process of uh, appraisal through performance reviews as well, that it's also baked into the performance review and appraisal. And of course, you know, there can be incentives of various kinds, but um, these are a lot of ways that sort of start to finish top to bottom organizations can help make sure that knowledge management is uh, in the culture and prioritized um, and not just kind of like a sidebar thing that, um, you know, is asked for all of a sudden at some stage down the road. <laughs> you, you sit down for your performance review and they say, well, you didn't actually share any knowledge this year. And well, you never asked me to. Right. right. But, mm -hmm. but, but I think there's, I think if you, if you know, a lot of people out there are looking for positions right now. So if you want to work in an organization that is really using its knowledge well, maybe that suggests also some questions for you to ask interviewers, like things like, how would I learn to do this job? How, you know, how are people asked to share their knowledge? Um, how would I, um, how would I be asked to share my knowledge? Um, the, those are the, some of the questions, and I'm sure that, that uh, people listening can think of more. But to work in, a, in an environment where you don't have to sort of fumble around in the dark and figure things out, actually have the knowledge, everything the company knows already made available to you would be a company, I think, or an organization where you could be much more successful, uh, unless yeah. you like fumbling around. Absolutely. And, you know, in the interview, I often ask about tools that organizations or companies uh, use. I've done that often in the interview process. Like, are you using wikis? Are you using, you know, uh, collaborative technologies? Are you using uh, instant messaging or, you know, uh, like Slack type applications? 
um, and just get a sense of, you know, how is this organization actually storing knowledge? Yeah, that's that's a great point. That's definitely something that interviewees can can bring out in the process as well. Yeah, as I said, when my former company, uh, when I back when I worked at the big company, we had a very cool knowledge management system that um, read our email. And I know that sounds a little spooky, like you don't want the company reading your email. But what the what the system did was that from reading people's email and especially subject lines of email, it identified people who were potentially experts in a topic. And then if somebody wanted to know about something, they'd ask a question to this system and the system would point them towards people who could potentially provide that information. So it wasn't providing the information, but it was directing them to people. And um, uh, and it was voluntary whether you wanted the system to uh, to have access to your email or not. Um, but I participated in it. It was great. I found some really terrific people who could help me on uh, projects in parts of the company that I would never have thought to look. Um, because uh, this tool helped us get helped us get there. It was really fantastic. It's an excellent example because uh, you know there are so many complex organizations. They're complex. There are a lot of arms and parts and pieces and buckets and silos, right? And and so it it, it can be especially with global organizations, large companies that have you know, spread out over the, across the globe. Um, you know, a lot of times there may be somebody else working in another office in another part of the world who has the same, you know, working on the same problem and are looking for the same knowledge or has the knowledge that somebody's looking for. And uh, that's a perfect example. And it's, it's also something that came out in my uh, dissertation was this idea of expertise. Who do you go to uh, for knowledge and find out who knows what and who do you go to for that? Or So it's a great point that, you know, again, it comes down to the, not just the technology, but also the people. And it's really a melding of the technology and people in terms of um, the usage of the technology, but also uh, that the technology can make recommendations not just for knowledge, but also for other people. And it can help steer you. It can, and it could be to find an expert like you were just talking about. It could also be um, finding other people in the organization who seem to be working on the same problem as you or a similar um, project or have expertise in some type of similar project in the past, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great point. Now, of course, with the, uh, the email reading that, that that does get complex, right? And can make some people uncomfortable for sure. Um, yeah, and that that's why it was voluntary. That and it was voluntary both to participate as you know having your emails read, and voluntary in terms of someone could contact you. You had perfect right to say no, no thanks, I can't help you. I'm too busy. Um, it was it was never in, but I don't think that ever happened. I think that people always were very happy to reach out and help somebody um, in whatever way they could. Yeah. Yeah. It, se- it just seems really important for distributed companies and companies that have all their workers remote or who are spread out across the globe and across time zones. So one of the things that um, that got me interested in knowledge management in the first place was in uh, learning about uh, the Toyota product development system, which is really based on the A3. So the A3 is a structured problem 
pro well, it's a structured problem solving method. Um, and A3 is a piece of paper. And um, by the end of the projects, the whole project is distilled onto an A3. And this on the you're supposed to, at the end of an A3, um, be able to describe succinctly what is the specific knowledge for the project that you've learned in solving this project and what is generalizable knowledge for the organization that other people might need to use and they may be the they may be the same thing um and so one of the big mysteries that I, I actually, if anyone out there is listening to this and know the answer to this, I would love to know the answer to this. One of the big mysteries about Toyota um, is that um, in doing all this work on the A3s, the story was, at least at that time, was that they kept the A3s in filing cabinets, right? So um, you really had to go find an, an expert, a functional expert who could point you to the right A3 that might have the information that you wanted. Now, I'm sure now that, Toyota is using, uh, you know, other systems um, for for this knowledge. But I think that in that mentally, we still think of filing cabinets, right? That I'm personally going to take this piece of information, say, is it, is it specific or generalizable, and put it in the right filing cabinet somewhere, which may be, you know, like a folder on Microsoft Teams, something like that. It seems to me like it's a real, it's sort of a mental stretch for, for those of us who are perhaps like me who are a little bit older to think of, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's just going to be out there somewhere, swimming around in a sea of knowledge and data and maybe not even important information. And somebody somewhere else, some, some tool is going to find the right thing. So is there, is there any kind of pre-structuring that... Um, might need might be needed well yeah and i think you, you you put your finger on something very important there um which is that you know you can capture a ton of knowledge you know in many different ways on cards on paper and people go to meetings and they all bring their notebook and write their notes in their own notebook and now you have 15 people that are all got notes in their notebooks and, and they're taking pictures of the slides on their phone. Taking pictures. And then at the end of the day, you've got a ton of knowledge and all these notes and all these notebooks and pictures. And it's all just, where is it? And then when is it used? Maybe never again accessed or used, right? Um, and so that's why it's, uh, it act, and that's part of the, the sort of maturity thing of knowledge management, right? Is there, there has to be another level up from that where, okay, somebody's got to collect that and somebody's got to organize it and, and somebody or something has to collect it, organize it, um, and structure it somehow and make it available uh, to others in some way that is part of their normal workflow, right? Because even if you have a person who then takes all those cards and indexes everything and organizes it and puts it into taxonomy and puts associated things together and so on, um, if then two weeks from now, if uh, another person is working on a problem and they're just open up a brand new Word document on their computer and 
and start working away, then that workflow doesn't actually have anything to do with any of the prior knowledge that's out there, right? So then it's about making sure that workflow includes a stage at the very beginning that says, oh, we're going to, we're going to, for this period of time, we're going to go out and see everything we can find and across all of the organizational knowledge. And, and then we're going to move on to the next stage. So, you know, it, it comes down to also part of the culture um, sort of evolving toward some different practices and different workflows in, in the way people do projects and, and start projects and, and also the team members they have on a project, right? You can envision a team may need a new type of team member who maybe that's their primary function is to actually sift through all of the prior knowledge and see everything they can find through the knowledge base, through the sharing databases and so on that's related to the project and do a debriefing for the entire team before they even take the next step. Like a team historian or a team librarian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it, it's, it is a, uh, I think, you know, as we as I said before, it's not something that is typical, which you obviously, you know, that, you know, the idea is where we, we get started, but from, from a lean perspective to translate that into a, into a lean perspective, that's about really assessing the current condition. And the current condition includes what have people learned before? What is the current state of the, of knowledge? And you've got to go and find that out, the current state of knowledge so that you can move forward from there. And if you, if you're not looking at the current state of knowledge, um, then you've pro you're probably going to um, have to relearn that, or perhaps you might miss something that is going to be very important for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it relates to actually in the education world, it relates to problem-based learning or PBL, which uh, is basically, you know, a sort of ill-structured problem that a team is trying to solve. And the first step is what do we know and what do we need to know? Uh, and where do we find those things that we need to know? Um, so that's all related as well, yeah. Yeah, and if you work with scientists, the first thing you'll see when they start to work on something new is they do a literature search, right? Mm -hmm. so, and so, and in the old days, people literally would go to the library and yeah, uh, yeah a real library and uh, do a literature search. Now it's, now it's done online and there are librarians to help do those searches, you know, people who are really well-trained to do those searches. So you don't start your work until you find out, find out what have other people learned before they me. Such an important step. And um, yeah, so easy to step out, to step over that step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. No, no point in collecting knowledge if you're not going to use it. Exactly. And that can, that can disincentivize people very quickly you know, when they realize that the documentation and the, the work they're putting into that is just kind of being lost. Um, yep. Right. And it doesn't mean that that previous knowledge applies 100% to your project. You still have to look at it with the analytical eye and say, well, what we're doing is different or our conditions have changed. And that's why this may or may not apply. But you, you, you've got to start with, with learning that. Yeah. Like if you were going to start a new, say, new distance learning team, what would you what would you want to have in place for that team in a from a knowledge management perspective? Mm, wow, that's a great question. Um, 
I think it would certainly be helpful to have a person who would uh, who would function as sort of a documentarian, somebody whose primary role, I mean, in addition to other roles like media person and, um, you know, a technology kind of person um, uh, and instructional designer and so on, but having somebody who's really kind of uh, um, working with the knowledge, uh, helping uh, making sure that we're not sort of rebuilding the wheel, as it were, um, as well as um somebody who can help um oh, what was i thinking here sorry i'm gonna have to cut that there a second i don't know how my watch is, is how how am i getting th calls on my watch i thought i turned that off <laughs> <laughs> um okay let me go back there a second uh so there's a question about the team the, uh, the you're team building a team you're building yeah. a team yeah right um, and I had another thought there um, that was, I just got to get back now. Uh, that darn watch. That's uh, okay. It'll come back. It'll too, come back. Too much, too much knowledge at the wrong time. Right, right. Well, what right. I was thinking it's was about having a person who would help document things, but also help... Um, yeah, I lost it. But uh, <laughs> I will say, That's okay. I was thinking about innovation too. And this might be yeah. a separate thing you you could throw in a question or something, but I'll just throw this out there because it was another thought I had in my head um, around the idea of innovation. And it might be that it, sometimes for a company, actually, uh, it's a good idea not to do any of that. And, and let's say in the, in the realm of innovation, you really want to Get out there and try something entirely new. And so maybe there are times where you 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 have a team set on a uh, on a project, and you say, you know, don't look at any of the knowledge, don't look at anything that's been done before. Let's see what you come up with as a brand new way to do things, and and with entirely new set of eyes. So from a, a, pers a perspective of innovation, or maybe radical innovation, you uh, there there could also be times when a company might want to sort of ignore all that past knowledge and, and try to do something brand new from scratch. And, and in that case, it's a really good idea to take that team and put them in a completely different area, so to speak, so that um, they're not impacted by everything going on around them. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. But even that kind of a team will be then generating knowledge, right? So I'm thinking of, of uh, again, of Toyota and the time it took to develop the Prius, which was a much longer project than their normal um, product development process, which is really pretty, pretty quick. Um, made and a so huge they took impact. The, made a huge impact. But they took that team. That team went off worked entirely on their own. But as they were doing that, they developed a lot of knowledge. Um, and that knowledge now is being, you know, has been improved and is used in the hybrid, the all of the other hybrid vehicles um, that are out there today. So them capturing that knowledge as they were doing that radical innovation was critically important to advancing the rest of the company. And I think other companies as well. Yeah, absolutely. 
So that documentary, that documentary, and you need them, even if they're not bringing in, um, you know, what has this our company done before in the press? They need to make sure that you're documenting what everything you're learning. That's really yeah. cool. That's great. So, Clark, how can people find you if they want to talk more about this? Yeah, so um, I have a website, um, ClarkshawNelson.com. No dashes or anything. Um, and uh, I'm sure we can put that in the show notes. Um, yeah. My, my, my main places where I, uh, I suppose, interact with folks on the social media is on Twitter and LinkedIn as uh, also Clark Shaw Nelson. Um, um, and uh, we'll, we'll add those links into the show notes as well. Um, but yeah, those are, those are probably the best places to, uh, to get a hold of me. Uh, if, if folks are interested in my research, um, I do maintain a profile on a research gate and, uh, my dissertation is up on there and some papers I've written on virtual teams and some other things are there as well. Um, and so, uh, that's a great place to delve into, to some of the research I've done. Great. Great. Dr. Clark Nelson, tell us what you would tell a young person starting out. Well, first of all, I'd say look into knowledge management because I think it's a growing field. It's uh, going to grow more. Um, it's maturing. It's evolving. And I think it's going to become even more mission critical and more and more organizations and companies are going to prioritize knowledge management. So I think that's a, a great um place to um to to look into there are more and more degrees happening that are in the realm of knowledge management as well um so there's a lot of potential there then the the other thing i would say is um to be involved in sort of um professional uh groups developed professional development groups or you know conference type uh, presentations and so on Th these are some things that have I've uh, been really helpful and meaningful in my career and, uh, uh, you know, getting me in contact with colleagues, uh, like-minded colleagues, going to conferences, presenting at conferences, learning new ideas. Um, and um, yeah, and or even like joining uh, groups, you know, there are LinkedIn groups and these types of online groups um, where, especially when you're starting off, you can get a lot of great advice. You can get a lot of great interaction with folks. Um, and learn a lot from other folks who've been in the industry for a while. Great. So build that network, join, join those associations, and get yourself on the stage. That's right. Yes. Terrific. <laughs> All right. Clark Shan Nelson, thank you so much for traveling with me to the edges of Lean. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Dr. Clark Shaw Nelson for joining me at the Edges of Lean. How do you manage your knowledge? We'd love to hear from you. Find Clark on LinkedIn or at clarkshawnelson.com and start a conversation. Find me at leanforhumans.com or on LinkedIn. I'm there a lot. Or comment wherever you watch or listen. And tell a friend about the Edges of Lean. Please join me in exploring more of the edges of Lean. There's a lot to learn. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelberg with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.